Praise the Lord. Our grandchildren have been under the weather, and, and um, I think um, severe enough that Siobhan was uh, out at, at a campground playing and came in the middle of the day and said, I need to lay down. So that's severe when, <laughs> when a grandchild says, I'm tired. So uh, anyway... Uh, but uh, having been feeling well, we appreciate your prayers. And I know praying for uh, David landed in uh, Sydney. His plane came in there. I don't, he's got to take another plane across the continent. But we are praying, asking the Lord to touch and strengthen and be with him and uh, his family. <clears throat> so we're glad that you are here. We, the last slide that we talked about today, we talking about advancing through adversity. And I know there's been a lot of adversity. There's a lot of adversity in the world. There's, you're not alone. I wish I could say, well, if you're living for God, you will have adversity, but no one else will. There's a lot of adversity. There's a lot of things that come our way. And, and the idea is some of it, you just need to find an escape route. You need to get out of there. And our escape uh, hatch, if you will, uh, we know in a building, uh, escape, they have the exit signs that are lit up. And, and uh, I mentioned this morning, follow the light. But uh, that's what it has to be for us. In the midst of uh, the pressure, in the midst of the world, in the midst of whatever the situation is that's going on, there is that sense of now, how am I going, what am I going to do? And uh, what am I going to do? And that is, I need to escape. And of course, um, we realize that um, that's through the Spirit. Uh, the Bible talked about they that sow to the flesh, reap the flesh. They that sow to the spirit, reap the spirit. And so that sense of finding, uh, letting him make a way of escape. And yet that is so important because um, that doesn't mean that you can't cry out to God for deliverance. You need to. That doesn't mean that you can't ask God to help. Uh, you want to ask him for it. And yet make sure you immediately follow up with thanking him for what he is doing, even though you may not know what it is that he's doing. You may not fully understand why. You may not fully understand what is all going on. And I, I know I have probably made some folks question my, uh, uh, my uh, theology, but I truly believe that uh, 24 hours after the election, I can tell you who God wanted in office for whatever reason. May not have been what my choice was. It may not have been who I wanted, but whether the Lord wanted it to go so that we would end up in war or we would end up in debt or we would end up, I don't know. The Lord, though, is in control, folks. Yeah. Because he is God, and he that cometh to him must, A, believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I do believe that. I believe that he is still in control. And I know, as Solomon wrote in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. That's your emotions. So when your emotions are going haywire, your heart, 
then you got to say, okay, I, my trust, my trust is not in the Democrats, my trust is not in the Republicans, my trust is not in the scientists, my trust is not in the economists, my trust is in God, that he's going to make a way that he'll see me through, that he makes a way where there is no way, that he's able to work it all out for good. I don't know how. I don't know how he can do this one. And yet, you know, imagine, if you will, a young man who didn't have a Bible, who did not have, was not raised in church, and he, he hears his own brothers plotting to destroy him and then it happens one day and they throw him in the pit and they sell him into a slave trade. <laughs> huh? And ship him off. And he tries to hold on to God. And when he does, he gets thrown in jail for trying to do what's right. Man, <laughs> I don't know. Easy to get bitter. Easy to get angry. Easy to put your hands on your hips and say, I've been through too much. They've hurt me too bad. I don't care what they do. I'll never forgive them. I ever get a chance, I'll kill them. I walk. I, my leg was in iron. In fact, Psalms records that his soul was caught up in the iron as they took him down in the slave trade. You say, well, oh, that's bad. That's terrible. Yeah, that's what happened to Joseph. And yet he said, you meant it for evil. I don't even have a Bible, but I know God was working through it all. <laughs> oh, how much more you and I who have the word, have all the stories, ought to be able to say with calm assurance, God's in control. He has this. And that's where he said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways, all your ways. And he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Why? Because God can use adversity. Proverbs third chapter said, whom he loves, he corrects. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Well, how does the Lord use it? How can the Lord use adversity? Sometimes it gets my attention. Right. You know, I'm on autopilot and all of a sudden, boom, oh, you know what? I need to be a little more diligent. I need to be a little more disciplined. I need to be a little more, huh? Makes me aware. What's going on? Sometimes it gets us to look at ourselves and examine ourselves. The Bible tells us, you know, when we do the Lord's Supper, everybody examine yourself. How many times do I examine myself? And I'm not talking about the, you know, nitpicking everything you do, but, you know, sometimes you need to go, Lord, am I on the right track? And you say, well, you know, put your... If you own a Tesla and it's got autopilot and you can sleep while the car's driving, I don't know that I'm at the point where I could trust all of that. Just to be honest. You know, for me, it's like somewhere, because I know just driving down this street to 21st Street, to whatever, I'm constantly making course corrections. I'm looking at, well, you know, tuck, 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 
whatever. I better pull a little more this way. Huh? Well, uh, you know, affliction can get us to look at where we are, where we're going, what we're thinking, what's important in life, can help us change our beliefs and our behavior. It can increase our faith. Affliction can increase your faith. Now, that's hard to imagine, you know? And that's because we think of faith as being simply one of a couple of different things, but there's actually three kinds of faith. I know there's, you know, contend for the faith, the belief in God, but there's even more than that. There's inherited faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Inherited faith? Bible says that. You didn't know that. You can pass faith on down to your kids. If you don't live for God for yourself, live for God for your children and your grandchildren. Let me show you the Bible says that. You remember Paul when he talked to Timothy? He said, I call thee to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am persuaded that it's in you also. When your children see you going through something and you don't curse God and die <laughs> and you don't throw in the towel and you say, huh, yeah, but we're going to keep praising the Lord. Let's gather the family around. Let's thank the Lord. I don't know what God's doing, but he's got, huh? Believe it or not, should the Lord tarry, at some point they're going to go through something. And the fact that they see how you responded, if you were falling apart and you couldn't, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to get. Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I, I, I've got to go hide and I've got to go retreat. Well, you, you, this is a great learning opportunity for your children and your grandchildren. And that's what Paul said to Timothy. There's inherited faith. There are some that we know right now that I, in this church, that would say, I remember hearing my mom pray. I remember hearing my... I'll never forget hearing her walk the floor, call my name, ask God, huh? And you say, well, I didn't hear that. Well, we got some grandmas around here. Come to corporate prayer on a Tuesday night. Let them pray for you. Some moms, huh? Start your own lineage. There's inherited faith. Then there's what I would call Bible faith or book faith, if you will. Bible being the best book, but you know, even if, it, even if it's a, a book you order from the publishing house and you read about Nona Freeman and you read about the missionary to Africa, is anybody? And you read what they're doing, man, and they, how they looked and they faced uncertainty. Anybody ever had that happen? And you read it and you feel like, ooh, man, that, that's moving, that's awesome. That's moving me. I, guess what? If the Lord did it for them, there's Bible faith. That's an, uh, the greatest book. 
Romans says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. You'll hear me use stories about Joseph and about Job and three Hebrew children. And what does that do? Hey, man, if God did it for them, and, you know, we used to have testimonies. We don't do that as much anymore. But, I, you know, there were, I, I can remember even in this local assembly, uh, individuals that, you know, would talk about how they came into church and they gave up playing softball or they, they watched God deliver their dad from alcohol or they watched God do, and they, they got a story of how God delivered, how God set free. And you know what? It just increases our faith, that my faith to say, you know what, if God can do it for them, if God can move and bring somebody back that's a backslider after all those years and let them drive by church and stand and look in the glass and come in and walk down to the front and get the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm telling you, I serve a God. Yeah. Woo! That increases our faith. Yes. The last kind of faith increase is what I call proven faith. First Peter describes it like this. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice. Oh, thank God. If you don't know what a great rejoice is, I wish you could have seen the scene on the rocky top when Tennessee finally broke the curse of the tide, I was reading the article today, the people broke the goalpost, carried it out, throwed it in the river. They went buck wild. Y'all were acting a little bit crazy here tonight, I just want to say. The world knows how to rejoice greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice. You say, well, I don't know that we should do all that in church. Why not? God's been so good to me. And guess what? I didn't score on the last play or it wasn't the last seconds. One of these days we're going out of here with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. We're going to be set free. I know who won. I already read the last play of the last chapter and I know what's going to happen and I want to tell you I'm excited about what God's fixing to do. He said, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That means just one after another. That the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, the more your faith, the more you get afflicted, the more you go through temptation, the more you get hit, you might be found unto praise and to honor and to glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy, unspeakable joy, 
and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation. Whew. What are you talking about? When you can rejoice in the midst of adversity, it all of a sudden lifts you up for a moment out of all of it. And I, I know it, it takes faith to maintain courage, and it need a lot of courage in this hour. And one of the last things that the Lord told the children of Israel before they, after wandering 40 years in the wilderness, Moses called the children of Israel together and they wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And the last part of that book, in the last few chapters, Moses said these words, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go before thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now this was to those that had already not gone in and found the promised land. He says, be strong and of good courage. When the Lord appeared to Joshua in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, first time he saw him, he came to him and he spoke to him. You know what he said? Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. You know what he was saying? It will take courage to work with people. And I am one. Huh? It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of courage. Not everybody will always treat you nice. Not everybody will always be kind, even in church, believe it or not. But it takes faith. It takes faith. It takes courage. He said, you're going to divide an inheritance for this people. I want to just tell you, probably never in your family, I'm an only child, so I'm, I'm well fit. But if there are two siblings and you're trying to divide five cents, It gets hairy. Huh? Because you just don't figure out how to break that extra penny. I've seen them get into fights over the craziest thing. And I wonder, what in the world? Now, I'm not saying, but that takes a lot of courage to divide land. Can you imagine the feelings that that was going to be with? Can you imagine trying to help people? You know, and try to be nice. I, Brother Josh Garza was telling me, you know, the guy pulled up beside him and, you know, it, it just takes courage to deal with people in a parking lot. Huh? Takes courage to drive down the street. You never know who's going to... It takes courage to ride with me, doesn't it, Brother Richard? <laughs> He'll get the Holy Ghost two or three times before we get to church. I'll have him prayed through. He'll be raising his hand. He'll say, Pastor, those are blinkers. You can use those. 
I'll say, I always wondered what those were for. Yeah. I never knew that. It takes courage. Huh? Anytime you deal with people. Then the next thing he said, in fact, Jesus said this. He said, the Gentiles exercise lordship, but you shall not be so. He that is greatest among you, let him be like the younger. He that is chief, let him be as those who serve. I want to tell you something. If you think serving others in church and with God you can make you important. You've missed the whole sermon. Because you don't, you don't serve the body and get the pat on the back all the time. A lot of times you're doing stuff that nobody knows about. Huh? Takes courage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. He said, I came to you as one that serves. And I know, I'm thankful for all of our leaders and I'm thankful for all of those that serve. I, I, I will tell you one of the things that, that uh, would be most disheartening to me is that you think that you are just so the big and bad that you don't realize it's not me, it's God. I need him. Without him, I am nothing. It takes a lot of faith. He goes on in Joshua and he says, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. I want to tell you something. It takes courage to obey the Bible. Huh? It takes courage to keep God's word. He said, Don't turn from the, from the right hand or the left that you may prosper. Chronicles, it said, if you prosper, you take heed to fulfill the statutes and judgment with the Lord charged Moses according concerning Israel. Be strong, of good courage, dread not, and be dismayed. We are living in a world and a society that they think not just these are the suggestions. They don't think they're the ten suggestions. They're not the commandments for sure, not even suggestions. They're just something that somebody wrote a long time ago, and I don't have to follow them. It takes courage to say, I don't care as for me and my my house. We're going to stand. We're going to try to follow the word. We're going to try to follow what God taught. We're going to try to do it the way God said do it. I'm sorry. If the rest of the people look and act and do, that's not the way we're going to do. And you say, well, they'll think I'm an old fogey. They'll think I'm foolish. They'll think I'm nuts. They'll think I'm a holy roller. They'll think I'm, they'll think I'm crazy. It takes courage. To say, you know what? I don't care what they think. I know what God thinks. The last one, there were three things here in Joshua. The last one was in the ninth verse where he said, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. It takes courage listen to me very carefully, in the midst of adversity, to never forget that God is with me. No matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, no matter where I am, no matter how overwhelmed I feel, you know what, Lord, you are still here. 
David wrote in Psalms 27, deliver me from mine enemies for false witnesses. They breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your emotions. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We sing it, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, but there's a couple of other words in there. Be of good courage. Hang on. Keep worshiping. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, he's going to strengthen my emotions. I'm going to come out stronger. Oh, enemy you thought that this affliction was going to do it but guess what ah it's going to increase my faith it's going to increase my courage it's going to increase my ability to say god you got this we got it all under control because we know you and you are the one that's sitting on the throne and one of these days you're going to level the playing field oh i'm so thankful that 